celebration of who you are. You're exquisite. You're unique in so many ways. Your love is transforming. It's transcending. It's all powerful. It's all life. The word beautiful doesn't quite capture who you are, but Lord, it's our best shot at trying to describe the absolute wonder and mystery of who you are. And I thank you that we're in you. Death has lost its sting. When we are in you and coming more into the knowledge of who you are in us, Lord, you literally set us free from ourselves. Set us free from our selfish ways, our selfish appetite, the pride of life you set us free from, and you realign us and you reposition us to live differently. And we see you in full color, the magnitude and the magnificence and the bigness and the vastness of who you are. Thank you, God, that you love us with an abundant, resourceful, abounding love and that your grace ever increases where sin exists, where failure, frailty, weakness exists. Your your grace abounds. You are making us and renewing us and have made us into this new person, this new creature, this new creation. And you're forming and you're shaping us as a family and as individuals. From the inside out, you're building your kingdom. It's a kingdom of joy. It's a kingdom of peace. It's a kingdom of rest and freedom, of substance. Christ's life literally in us is being formed through the power of your very Son, who is the wisdom and the power of God. So Holy Spirit, may your words be the utterances today that come out of my mouth. May I not speak anything of myself and only be of you. In describing who you are and who we have been called to be. Not mere humans, but sons. Ears to an eternal kingdom and a spiritual one now. To open the eyes of our hearts today to see and the ears of our heart to hear what you want to say. And may we receive that word today that we are hearing by faith. May we accept it and allow it to perform a work within us as we believe what we hear. We ask this in Jesus, Jesus' powerful, powerful name. In an agreement of one, we say amen. Amen. Well, how about we grab a, grab a seat? Tim, if you can bring that forward, mate, and if you can, just plonk it. Oh.
I want to strongly recommend something this morning, and that is going on holiday and leaving your kids behind. <laughs> if you're married with children, I would recommend you do that at least twice a year for a minimum time of three days. This is the doctor giving the prescription. And just enjoy time with your husband or wife. We've had a phenomenal time. We were able to go down to Nelson. been blessed from a couple here. And Danny and I said three days doing nothing, but doing something. And uh, it rained a lot, but that didn't matter because we didn't go down there to see the sights. We just went down there to hang with him and one another and just enjoy him and one another. And um, it was awesome. We got back on Friday. It's about quarter to four. And um, I said, should we go for a drink in town? So yeah, let's go for a drink in town. So we went to Hummingbird and... Um, we met and chatted to the staff there and had a cocktail or two. It's very expensive. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because, guys, when we invest into our relationship, it doesn't matter. Cost doesn't matter. Don't be crazy and go over here, but cost doesn't really matter. You've got to invest. And then we had a, a beer and oh, I don't really feel like going home. The kids aren't back till this. They got back this morning at 12.30. They were Sandra and Rolly over in Australia. And... Um, so we go for a meal. Let's go for a meal. So we went to Nicolini's, had a beautiful Italian. Just don't want to go home. So we went back to Hummingbird. And the staff are like, oh, you're back. Yeah, yeah, this is cool. Man. We're just getting started. And I don't know, it got to about nine o'clock and thought, oh, I don't want to go home. Go on the website, accommodation. Oh, the Copthorne have a deal on. Let's go to Copthorne. Oriental Parade, stayed the night. Felt a bit funny, really. You know, it's like... <laughs> sort of snuck in, snuck out. No, he didn't. So we stayed the night, got up, beautiful summer. In fact, they upgraded us. It was so cool. Got a real good cool deal, $129, and we got there. Mr. Simnel, we've upgraded you to the executive room. Oh, that's good. This is getting better and better. Woke up to have this beautiful shot of Owen to parade. Now, Wellington on a good day is fantastic, isn't it? And then we thought, ah, oh, let's go to a cafe. Went to a cafe, got home about whatever time it was, went to the gym together. And then we went to the airport, picked the kids up. I strongly recommend, guys, if you're a grand, who's grandparents? Awesome. Take your grandchildren off your children's hands for a week and bless them. So thankful for Rolly and Sandra. It's been an amazing time. And um, it was guilt-free too. <laughs> we looked at it and she said, you missed them? I said, nah. We have another week. <laughs> It'd be awesome. <laughs> So anyway, transformational family. Feels like I spoke the first one of this ages ago because I was in Fielding last week, had a powerful time with Activate community there with David and Claire. And was just talking about there about lost identity. And um, I sense, you know, that identity is so important that we know who we are in him and live from this place. Because then we truly can be a transformational family. So often Christianity is about doing stuff. You know, you pray a prayer and then the next thing is let's go do some things for Jesus. And we're called to do works. But before we're called to do works, we're called to know who we are. And we're called to know who we are in him because I know who I was before him, but I need to know who I now am in him so I can actually become his family on the earth and live as sons live, yes? Not as 
immature sons, but as mature sons because I'm coming to know who I am in him. My identity is being reshaped and realigned, and it's being formed in me, which means now I live from that. I knew I was a simnor. I was loved by my mum and dad, and I knew I was a simnor, so I lived as a simnor, and I lived in the value systems and the culture of being in the simnor house. I didn't get it perfect all the time, and I broke the rules now and again, but overall I think I was okay because I knew I was a simnor, I knew I was loved, and even when I broke the rules, I knew that I wasn't going to get kicked out of the house because I knew my mum and dad loved me. And it was a love that was unconditional to the level they could, and it's the same here. Because I knew I belonged. And so God calls us to be a transformational family. You know, when, I don't know, when, when you look at those words, I see building, I see uh, design, I see change, I see power. I, I, I don't see staying the same. Transformational, being transformed, being renewed means to go from one measure of something to another, doesn't it? It means to not stay the same person that I was five years ago. Five minutes ago even, God wants to renew me continuously and bring me into a transformed family. And formed is finished, and that's the end of the day, isn't it? So as we've been talking about, we've got so long here on earth, and then it's ending physically, but it doesn't end because we live forever. But my time here on earth for my transformation is finished, and then I'm going to receive a glorified body. But what's really important between 1969 and when I die. And God's looking and going, do I see a transformational family on the earth? Do I see my people living the way I intend from my culture and my value system? No longer living for themselves, no longer putting themselves first and having them at the top of their lives, but allowing me to be Lord. There's been a shift, and are they now living for me and my will and my purposes and my values, empowered by me? That's a big seagull. (laughs) So, come with me to Acts 4, 31. I'm going to read you a passage that we looked at three weeks ago. Then I'm going to ask you a question. It's not a test, but I want to just test you. (laughs) Acts 4, 31. And I'm only going to read it to 37. And yet, but we have been looking at Acts 4.29 all the way through to 5. So in your own time, you can read that. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, 
who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. There's something very powerful happening here, isn't there? I see a people who know they are his, and a people living quite differently to the standards and the values and the culture of the world. Anyone else see that? There's no need. These people, the Bible says, are of one heart, one soul. We're going to unpack that today. So here are the five things. I'm just going to read them out that we're going to look at, we're looking at, just to remind us. I want to paint the picture of how we, God's family, are to live our lives on the earth. So there's a picture for us. There's a picture of sons of the church living a type of way, isn't there, that we just read. Okay? We're going to look at the attributes, the qualities, the values, and the culture that make up this family. We're going to look at the opposing forces that exist to stop this family being formed. Because if you continue reading, as you go through to Acts 5, you're going to see this opposition to having the work done. Whenever you go after living for Christ, there is always massive opposition knocking on the door. Firstly, it's your flesh, and it screams, no, me. What about me? What about I? And then the enemy comes along, and he'll want to plug that thought and say, that's right. What about you? What about I? Live for you. That's right. Live how I lived. Didn't get me in a great place, but live as I lived. So there's a real war that goes on, and these people were in the community. So Ananias and Sapphira were part of the church. And as we're going to look at that as we go on through the weeks, the life that is released when this family is being formed on the earth, there is a releasing of life. There's a demonstration of God on the earth. And people were experiencing it. People were seeing it. It was tangible. It was real. It wasn't some abstract concept that was in the in there somewhere. No, these were real people demonstrating a reality for all to see. And we're going to look at how this family is formed into becoming this family. So I gave us three attributes three weeks ago. And I'm going to ask you who can give me what the three attributes were. Yell them out. My. Praying. Filled with the Holy Spirit, and they believed. Wish I had something I wanted to give it to you right now. That was awesome. <laughs> you can have a free coffee. Oh, you make them. Sorry. <laughs> this community, the Bible says in here, they were praying. They were a community that prayed. They were a community that was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the power of God. Because remember, they were all in the upper room waiting for what was promised. So they heard the words of Jesus, they acted in obedience, and were found waiting for the promise to come, which came from the words of the mouth. I spoke some things today, and I spoke prophetically over you and into you. Will you be found waiting and positioning yourself, and did you believe what I said? Because God wants reality, doesn't he? He wants reality, real, real things happening, not just, oh, yeah, we say this and we do this. No, he wants the living demonstration of himself 
on the earth, and he's chosen you and I as the vessels to bring that glory to the earth. It doesn't get any better than that, but you can get in the way of that. And I can get in the way of that if I don't get outside. And if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit and continually eating the word of God, then I will be living. So I will receive a deposit of the spirit, but my flesh will dominate my spirit and I will live, not Christ in me being formed and lived. Does that make sense? These people were prayerful people, filled with the spirit, and they believed. Not just having a mental agreement of something, they had a deep-rooted conviction of the spirit of what they heard, saw, and responded to. They are a transformational family. Those are three attributes that they had. Listen to this. God's transformational family demonstrates very different lives to the families of the world. We are to live completely different from the world. Our priorities, values, and culture are to be polar opposite to the world's. Now that's a challenge, isn't it? Only for you, me, and Chris. (laughs) Everyone else has got it sorted. That doesn't mean we're freaks. That doesn't mean we go live in caves. The world sees the church and knows us by our fruit. It knows that we're different because we act, live, speak differently. We're living for a different value system, culture system called the kingdom of God. It has nothing to do with the kingdom of the world. And it looks radically different in action. action. What the church has tried to do is replicate all what I just said and what I read through the flesh. And we don't go anywhere. So we have this insatiable need in us to do. So we hear the words and we read the words and go, right, how are we going to figure out a divine strategy to make that happen? And we go off in all our strength to try and make it happen. And it lasts about three to six months before we kill one another. (laughs) Why? Because the flesh comes out, division hits, and it's all on. And we devour one another with our freedom. Why? Because we're not coming into the way God intends it to come into because we're trying to do it. We won't still surrender because we have this insatiable need to do to perform for God, which actually is wrong because he just wants to be in relationship with us. And through relationship, allow the work of his spirit to happen. So now my life is surrendered. And now I find myself empowered to actually live like what I read. You see why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Continually meditating and feeding and eating him. If we're not, you'll never be able to do it. Because you will dominate and you will dominate how you live. And we cannot live like that in our flesh. I, you, we need someone far bigger, far greater than us to come into us, to fill us, to set us free from ourselves, don't we? This is what happened to these men and women. It's powerful, powerful, so they're enabled to be this transformational family. So God gives everything that we need to be this. And you may look at that and go, Greg, that's impossible, when I'd say, yes, it's impossible if you're trying to do it. That's also what the scripture says. But the Bible says that all things are possible in him when I surrender and come into weakness. And I realize God's looking for a broken spirit and a contrite heart. He's not looking firstly for sacrifices and offerings. He's looking for someone that has been, their pride has been snapped. I'm going to talk about that tonight. This is how we come to God. Snapped. 
The spirit of pride in all of us called the flesh needs to be snapped. It's the way into this life. The problem is we don't even think we're prideful. Because he has to show you that as well. That's another dynamic. But listen to these words because the fourth attribute of this people, they were one heart and one soul. One heart, one soul. They had one mind intent on doing the same will and their emotions were all aligned. Why? Because they were a community that prayed. They received the Holy Spirit and they believed. There is an outcome that comes with God's process. The whole point of this Christianity is an outcome, not some abstract concept that lives that you never enter into. God has outcomes in mind. We just don't chase the outcome. We seek him. And as he builds us, because Jesus builds his church, the outcome becomes realized. All of a sudden, you find yourself living differently because you've gone on a journey to pursue love. Can anyone hear what I'm saying and agree with me? And all of a sudden, you're like, I find myself giving money. I find myself giving time that I didn't give before. I find myself doing things for people that I never would have done before. I would have looked after me, Jack, and taken care of my needs before I ever looked outside of anybody else. Why? Not because I chose it, but because I chased and surrendered and pursued to love. And through the process of that, love is forming me because I'm meditating on him. And he is love. So if I meditate on love, I'm going to become love because he was love. And these people were of one heart, one spirit, one mind, one soul. Sorry, one soul, which is mind, will, and purpose. Unbelievable. Verse 32. And the congregation of those who believe were of one heart and soul. What did I do with that pen? I put it away. Just going to do a big number one. What did Jesus pray for? John 17. Could have prayed for anything. Could have prayed for lost people. Could have prayed for the gifts to be released. He could have prayed for anything. All of heaven, in a moment in time, prayed for something. Not just for the disciples that were with him, but for you and I. So here's the catch. I love this. Jesus looked 2,000 years into the future and saw you and I here today, and he prayed. And he said, Father, I pray that these people here at the rock into the future will be one like we are one, like these men will be one. It's the high priestly prayer. All of heaven prays for oneness. Not conformity. We do that really well. Okay? We do conformity really well, and we call it oneness. Excuse my spelling if I get it wrong. We do that really well. We know how to conform to man's ways, and we call that oneness in spirit. But oneness in spirit is defined by God and God alone. So I'm only one with Chris if Chris is one with God and I'm one with God. 
And the thing that increases our oneness is not how well I know Chris and how well I know his family and everything he's going through and if I know his children and I know his birth certificate and I know what time he was born and where he was born. None of that makes any is, is irrelevant to my oneness with him. If he is growing in oneness with Christ, and I am, we are one to a mature measure because I'm one with him. Where does that start, guys? Where does oneness start? With him. So God gives us and gave these people his spirit, and he filled them with his spirit so they could be one with him, so they could think like him, see like him, speak like him, act like him, have his heart, his culture, his values. When you read that, do you read Jesus? When you read these people were giving away stuff, there wasn't a need, they were bringing property, there was nothing, they were, man, these guys were on fire. I read Christ. I see Christ in those scriptures. I see the heartbeat of my father who came and died for me, gave me, rose again. I see an abundant, resourceful God where there is no lack. Do you see that? That's what I see. And I'm challenged by that as a reality to go, am I living like that? Am I that one with him? Because he's called me to be one with him and it starts with him. If I'm not one with him, I will not be one with you. Now he gives us the spirit to bring us into oneness, doesn't he? And then he says, what are you going to do with this now? Is your mind going to be renewed? So the fullness of what I've implanted in you is going to become a reality. So we literally think the same. Oh, do you mean there's no diversity? No, of course there's diversity. That's got nothing to do with what I'm talking about. We're all different people with different personalities, but of the one spirit, aren't we? And so the spirit of God renews the mind so I start thinking like God, so I'm no longer like Peter in an argument with God and my brothers and sisters. Why? Because we've all come into the same knowledge. And when you have the same knowledge, you have power. You have life. And that's John 17. He's like, I pray they would be one so a lost world would know that you, Jesus, were sent for the lost world because of the oneness of the church, because of the power that's coming from the church. That's what I read in Acts. Because I know my God is a God of the reality. He's not a God of abstract concepts. We are. He's not. What he says happens. What he promises happens. He said, Abraham, you're going to have a son. It's going to be in my time, but you're going to have it. Do you believe, Sarah? And the Bible says Abraham didn't waver. And these people are one with him. What's the second environment God has given you and I to be one? Marriage. We don't even get this. We think he's given us marriage to have kids and have sex. And all those things are awesome, but they're not the first place priority of God. Genesis 2 tells you. And whenever you see a first principle mentioned, you use it as a tool to see it throughout other scriptures. So he says, a man will leave his mother and father and the two will become one. So the whole purpose of my covenant, not my commitment, not my contract, but my covenant with him and my wife is to bring me into spiritual oneness. That me and my wife, we're discovering this. This is real for us. You saw it three weeks ago. I had a word. I wrote it on here. Danny didn't see it. She's standing there. And then she speaks what's on the board. It happened when we were in fielding. She has a word. I've got my word. She said, God changed my whole message in fielding. I go to speak about something else. He said, no, you're going to speak about that. Then she gets up, she starts prophesying stuff, and I go, 
This is my word. It's your word. Sorry, you've just given me and changed it. So there's this incredible oneness that we can experience of the spirit first. Literally, the physical's amazing. The physical's great, isn't it? And when you're one physically, it's beautiful. But it's about being one in spirit. And these people are one in heart. And it's fully possible for everyone in this room to be one in heart and in soul. Why? Because my Bible tells me, and my Bible is the truth, not what I think. So I have to wrestle with that and go, it's not about what Greg thinks. I'm not going to live from my emotions. I'm going to live from the truth. And my emotions are going to be redefined by the living truth. Why? So I can start living as a transformational family. It's amazing what we've been invited to. It's incredible. And it can be real. Like you hear me today, see me today, and touch me today. But it comes with a massive cost, and that's letting go of you and I. But these people, because they were people of prayer, filled with the Holy Spirit, they believed, and the Bible says they were one in heart and one in soul. Just come with me to Romans, and I'll read you a passage I've been in Romans a bit. That's phenomenal. Every book's amazing. There's so much food. Romans 2, 28. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who was one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. See, we talk about Jews and Gentiles. It's only one people. They're people of the spirit who are one. We want to give it labels so we can understand it all. And we have to see it through the lens of the Spirit and how it's written. He's saying, I'm a Jew. That tells me I'm a Jew. Why? Because it's got nothing to do with an external thing. If I'm circumcised of the heart, that tells me I'm a Jew. So, have you been circumcised by the power of the Holy Spirit? In your heart, you're Jewish. What? No, 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 you're, I'm English. No. See, we have to look through the lens of the spirit and let the spirit define everything of the physical. Otherwise, we come up with our own truth defined by the physical and we miss the life that's on offer so we never become this because we're living from ourselves and we have defined the truth through our lens and it's dead. And we give it all that and we say it's all good, but we just can't live the life. I'm only interested in people who can live this. I'm not interested in you if you can't really live that out. I'm not interested in people at Karma who've got all this knowledge and they spout it out and they spout it out and they spout it out. And I say, where's the demonstration of what you are spouting out? Are you able to do this? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they were doing yet. Because you've come into the truth, because you're filled with the Holy Spirit, because you're a person of prayer. Are you able to give forgiveness because you're full of grace and you haven't come short of the grace yet? Mate, until you do that, I don't want to have, I don't really care what you think you know. I want to see the demonstration of it because that's what Jesus said. You'll know my disciples by the abundant fruit that's coming out of them. But we love to puff ourselves up. We love to give ourselves a pat on the back. We like to mentally try and understand all this. And what we're not living in the church, I'm not just talking here, I mean church, is this. 
And at best, we try and manufacture it through the flesh. And this is what people have done. They've started up home churches. Because we think that's the answer, because we go live in homes and live in communities. Community is not geographical. Community is where your heart and your mind is. We all think it's about community. We've got to go somewhere in Campbell because I'm in Campbell. It's rubbish. It's all of the flesh. Community is where your heart and your mind is and where God has drawn you to be part of a family, not a club. I don't leave the Simnor family. My mum is in France right now. My brothers are in Auckland and they're in Hamilton. And I have not left the family because I'm not in community with them because we live in different cities. It's family, 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 transformational family. And these people radically have oneness of spirit and a oneness of mind. Why? Because their hearts have been circumcised and are being circumcised through the power of truth, the living word, Jesus Christ, which enables them to live like we read. So we've got a bit of eating to do, eh? We're getting there. We are. There's been radical shifts here. Radical shifts over six years. The oneness that we are in, it's far greater than it was in 2009 when we started. Far greater. The love, the compassion, the oneness, the heart, the things I hear, the things I'm involved in, I go, wow. But there is a fight for it between the flesh and the spirit. And like I said before, if I'm not going to commit to being one with God, I will not be one with my wife. Doesn't matter how great our physical relationship may be, I will not be one with my wife spiritually. That was the purpose of the marriage covenant. So when you really start to understand the purpose of the marriage covenant was to create oneness with God and one another, everything starts to shift in your marriage. Everything starts to align. You realize, oh my goodness, why didn't someone teach this before I got married? Why didn't someone come and actually teach me the purpose of marriage from God's perspective? Because no one really knew it that I knew. Because we all think marriage is about having family and filling the earth with people. But that's not what the Bible says. Genesis 2, go have a look. 24, a man shall leave his mother and father and shall be joined as one. The two will become one. So you've got to say, what for? Because there is no resurrection, is there, after death. Sorry, there is no marriage after death. All of a sudden, the truth starts to grab you. And the reality of what is in front of you really starts to shape you. You know, it enhances your marriage. Because when a husband starts loving his wife like Jesus loves the church, wow, things start to shift. And when a wife starts to surrender and submit to her husband because she's in love with Jesus, man, things start to shift. Now this starts to become a freedom because two people aren't trying to get from one another. True people are coming to give. See, these people are in this oneness and it's growing because it grows and it grows and it grows. One in mind. 
I'm not sure how many times I've heard people claim to have the mind of Christ and yet their thinking, speech, and their behavior doesn't quite align to this reality. Come here to 1 Corinthians 2. Verse 9. But just as is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. So there are things that are yet to be realized for you and I that God has prepared for us. All the people that love him. See, when you're in love, you spend time with the person you love. And you share stuff, don't you? And the more you spend time with them because you're in love with them, you get to know more about them. And God wants to reveal stuff to us that would blow our socks. But the challenge is that you're spending time with him so he can share with you what he has for you because you love him. And then it says because it's revealed through the spirit. See, once again, you come back to this oneness of spirit. It's a spiritual reality. He speaks from the spirit, and your spirit and his spirit start to engage. Why? Because you've stopped. Man, the amount of people that are consumed with life. I'm talking about the church. Life is consuming people. Let the one of life consume you, rather than life consume you. Because things start to shift. When you start giving him more of your time, Give him five minutes if that's all you can muster right now. Give him five minutes, he'll make it 50. Give him an hour, he'll make it 10. And all of a sudden, you'll start coming out of busyness and anxiousness into rest. What did Jesus say? Come to me and I'll give you stress, Chris. (laughs) Well, that sounds good. I'll come to you, you give me stress. No, come to me and I'll give you rest and rest. Learn from me so you can stay in my rest and come into more of my rest, not your stress. One mind. So Paul's declaring here a reality. I love this. He says this, For to us, a certain portion of people that he knows, God revealed them through the Spirit. What? The things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, has not yet entered the heart of man. So things that Paul is writing, he says, revealed them to us. Who's us? And we do this. Well, it's all us. Well, we're the us, really? Are you living from this stuff? Have you come to know that the depth of God and the enormity of God and who you've called to be and all that stuff? See, we love to claim this. I've got the mind of Christ. No, 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 no. You have the ability to have the mind of Christ. You have the spirit living within you. God wants to renew your mind so you think like God. But you can't claim stuff you're not living from. We love to do it, though, because it makes us feel good. And we can stay in the state without actually entering into the reality. Paul's going, no, there is these people, us. I know who they are. I'm walking with them. And we have this thing. And now I'm going to write it so you can have the potential so you can come into it because I want to renew your mind.
And they live like we read. The battlefield is right here, isn't it? Right here. Boom. The thing that's being given to us by God becomes the battlefield, the battlefield of the mind. What did Paul write in 2 Corinthians 11? I'm afraid that as Eve was in the garden, you have been deceived, been led astray in your minds from the simplicity and the purity of a devotion to your Lord. I'm afraid that you've been led astray from what it was all about because before that he says, I have betrothed you to be a virgin. You've missed it. You've got so carried away with all the doing and all the activity, you've actually forgotten what it's really been all about, which is becoming a pure virgin, becoming my bride. A people that who have never been tainted by the world. He says, go with me for a little foolishness because you're going to think I'm an idiot when I tell you what it's really about. And I'm living my life laying it down so I could present you as a pure virgin, one that has not been with the world. What did Jesus come to do? Come on, what did he come to do? He came to bring you into a blameless, spotless position in Christ, didn't he? He didn't just come to save you from hell. He came to set you apart, set you on a hill, consecrated wholly to God, a royal priesthood. That his righteousness, you would know how right you are in him and you would be free. And Paul's going, man, help me because you've been led astray in your mind from the real purpose. The simplicity and the purity of a devotion to a man and a God named Jesus. But the simple is deep. The scriptures are simple, but they are deep and they are concealed. And it takes people of the spirit to go looking and digging and have it revealed by the spirit. That's what Paul's saying, man, I've got stuff. I've been there, gone there, had it revealed, so I wrote it down. I'm so grateful the man wrote it down. I've come into a measure of what is here. I know this stuff here and it's been renewed here. And it's written in a book that's now on the website if you want to go get it for free. And when it's in my physical hand in about a week and a half, we'll do a whole thing and you can have it and get it out there. But Paul knew. And so he writes it. Then he goes and he says this. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Us again. So he's given us this so we can know this freely given. The gospel comes to set you and I free. The gospel comes to set us apart that we would know the magnitude of what is for. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words, but a natural man does not accept the things of Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. 
Who? The people he's talking about called us. And we have the potential to know all this stuff. Because we've been given the Spirit as a deposit, and the Holy Spirit wants to lead you and I into all of his truth. And so the offer is incredible. And as he leads us into all the truth like these people, we become this transformational family that start living like that. Everybody's giving here. Everybody's giving their life. Everybody's laying it down. There is not a need in this community that is not met and coming into more because the Father's releasing. Why? Because he sees a heart that just releases, a heart that releases, not hearts that hold. The reason why we don't come into stuff is because we hold, we hold stuff. We live like orphans. And he says, your sons. He must be pulling his hair out. Because your sons, come on, live as a son. Believe, believe, believe. He's the greatest cheerleader. He just keeps cheering and keeps cheering and keeps cheering, doesn't he? He has continued to believe in this Muppet. For nine years, he kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And he wore me down. And my spirit snapped. And it was the day life began. Really, life began. At the snapping of my spirit that was full of me. And I see these people and the potential, I see it here. Because I don't look in the physical, you look in the eyes of the spirit. And you see it in the spirit and you see the potential that needs to be realized. And so you live for the, not, the, not what you see, you live for something greater. And you believe and you hope all things. And you endure all things. And you believe and you hope and you endure and you believe and you hope and you endure and you keep going and you keep going and you keep going. You keep turning up, you keep turning up, you keep turning up for one day to see it. And even if you don't, you know where you're going to see it? At a judgment seat. When all those Christians who have said yes, amen and have lived the life turn up together and she's called this. Boom. And she's beautiful, and she is adorned, and she's radiated. And she was one with her father in heart, in soul, mind, will, and emotion. What a privilege, guys. And yet, we've taken what I've said and literally shrunk it to a crumb. And it is criminal. Because what we don't understand right here, we justify it away to keep ourselves in comfy zone. We write off the truth because it doesn't make sense. It'll never make sense here until that's been renewed by the power of the Spirit of God. And that's why they were one of heart first before they were one of soul. One of spirit, growing in spirit, the mind, the spirit... Sorry, the mind is renewed by the Spirit. To the measure we have had our mind renewed by Christ is to the measure we have the mind of Christ. Let me read that again. To the measure we have had our mind renewed by Christ is to the measure we have the mind of Christ. People, I, I, you know, I, however you want to look at it, because we're great at coming up with theories to keep ourselves in this position of safety. And my position is just this. We're called to live it. So whoever you want to say, I've had people say, well, I have the mind of Christ. Great, then live it. Live it out. Because that's the point of it. 
isn't it? Because you would think like a son. Because he came to bring you freedom and life. So it breaks his heart if we don't live as, if we don't live in the fulfillment of what he did on the cross. The man went through excruciating agony and death so you and I could live a kind of way. Not just to save us from going to hell. So to not fulfill our potential in Christ, what is that saying about what he did? See, to live in fear, and there's grace and all that, but he's saying, I'm giving you a spirit of fear. See, I haven't given you this stuff, so where's it coming from? It's coming from you. I haven't given you a spirit of fear, so it's not from me, so you've got to realize this is of you. You're still in your flesh, you're still in your humanity, because your mind's not being renewed. You think there's something to fear, there isn't anything to fear, it's an illusion. It's mystical, you've created it all in your own head. There's nothing to fear in Christ. I haven't given you a spirit of fear. I've given you a spirit of freedom. And so you can see the battle, can't you? You can see why this is such a war. Because you'll talk yourself out of that. You'll look at your life and you'll go, look, don't look at your life. Look at him and look at what he says and look to that. If I look to me, I'm doomed. But if I look to him and his word and his living scriptures and allow them to start to come into me through the power of the spirit, I'm starting to change. My identity starts shifting. My language shifts. I'm living this stuff out. Going, how does this happen? By the power of God and the grace of God, son. You can't set yourself free from addictions. Yourself will jump into the addiction. He comes to set you free from everything. Why? So we can live a kind of way. God is the most intentional person I know. We think he's like a jellyfish. Ooh, it's all of the spirits floats around. No, he's so intentional. He builds. He builds people and people that reflect him. I build my people and they look a certain way. They act a certain way. They're resourceful. They're generous. They have joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. They are like me. So we have to surrender and go, do I look like that? And if I don't, man, I'm going to repent. I've got to get on my face before you because this is who I'm called to be and I'm falling short and your power is going to empower me to be it because you love me, because you've set me apart, because you saved me in 97 for a great high purpose and calling. Not that I would survive life, that I would become a son who would reign with you on earth and then in eternity with you. It doesn't get any better than what I'm preaching. It doesn't get any better. The invitation does not get any better than this. You will not find anything. If you're here and you don't even know him, you will not find anything that's better on what I just said. Trust me. I've looked. I went nine years trying to find it. I've not found anything better than Jesus Christ and Jesus' ways. And I will never find anything better because he is life and he is truth. And there is no other way but to the Father but through him. That doesn't mean eternity. It means everything. And these people are of one heart, one mind. They think the same. Why? Because they were all in the same room, received the same thing. And there's a beautiful oneness with them. And they're on a mission to grow in that and to have that develop through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know how sweet oneness is when you get with believers and you're one? There's nothing like it. 
It's like your dialogue. You don't even have to finish words and they can finish your sentence. You try and describe these things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and they go, no, exactly what you're talking about. It's so beautiful. It's like, oh, man, thank you. I was trying to find the technical English word to describe what everyone... Everyone's trying to hear and understand through this rubbish, not here. Bible says understanding starts in the spirit of a man, and then this gets renewed. That's why he said, I'm not a man of... I don't talk human words, even though I talk in a human language. I'm talking spiritual words. You've got to hear the spirit receive what I'm saying, not literally the words that I'm saying. hope you can hear that. <laughs> but it's beautiful to dialogue with people. It's such a place of rest. Because you're not trying to think of the right word and the right context with the right this so someone doesn't stumble. And it's like food. It's literally like having a meal. And you eat and you partake because the Christ in Mel, when I get with Mel at times and, we're, and the star and the Christ in me, and it just does this, boom, 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 boom. And you walk out going, I am fed. Physical food, I don't need that. I need the words of Jesus, the living words of Jesus. So then my mind starts to get renewed and my will starts to, Change to like his will, because remember they are one of mine will and emotion. What did Jesus say? I haven't come to do my will, I've come to do the Father's will. I've come to do my Father's will, which means he knew what the Father's will was, do you? We say this, Lord, what's my will for me? You said that? Yeah, of course. What's my will? What do you have for me? Because no, 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 it's about you discovering my will. See, it's all in there, but because we look through the eyes of the flesh, it gets twisted. And the enemy does this all the time. He's the greatest card player. He shifts. He's a move of a hand. He goes, like that. And you don't even see it. Because you're naturally, you're naturally going to see number two, not number one. You're naturally going to see that. Your flesh is designed to see number two, not number one. Commission, not commandment. And yet the commandment is the door to life. You're going to go to truth, not grace. Why? Because the flesh loves truth. What about grace? It's grace and truth. See, the flesh is always in opposition to the kingdom. And so the Holy Spirit needs to do this. And when the Holy Spirit does this, sound like Bruce Lee. Then you have life. It's like he comes and he goes, chop. With the power of his word, chop. And it's like, whoa, what was that? That was me. He's a sword, isn't he? The truth is sharper than a double-edged sword. It's him. Wow, is that what the color green looks like? I was looking, it was gray. And now you see. And because you can see, you can now live and move towards it because your whole sight has been realigned. See, if you can't see it, you can't live for it. The picture of the finish line determines how you run the race. Hence, Isaiah said, I declare the end from the beginning. I'm going to write you the end. Then I'm going to go back to the beginning. Beginning. <sighs> okay. What did I say the beginning was? I'm going to write you the end. 
Then we're going to look at the beginning. Do you reckon there's a connection in there? The two are going to become one. I'm going to write about the end. I'm going to write about my bride's coming in and all her glory. We're going to spend eternity together. I'll take you right back to the start and tell you what's really always been about, a love relationship with me. Then it moves down to a marriage covenant because that's what I've designed because it's beautiful because I'm the greatest designer on planet and I'm so smart. I'm going to put you together with a woman, Greg, who you're going to love, but she's going to be so different from you it's going to cause you to submit to me. Because although she's beautiful and she's gorgeous and she's got all her great traits, there's a whole lot of other stuff in her called the flesh and you too. And those things are going to cause you to come together like loggerheads. And as you come together at loggerheads, you're going to have to make a decision what you're going to do. It's where the work starts. What are you going to do? Are you going to love her? Are you going to have oneness with me so you can love her when her flesh comes at you? When she's living in fear and she's afraid of being radical, do you have enough love in you because you're serene, because you're one with me to love her like Father forgive her because she doesn't have a clue what she's doing right now? And you've heard this and we've gone through this. There's been times when Daniel hasn't had a clue what she's been doing and I've loved her like the Father loves me to keep this and restore this, to keep oneness. Why? Because I understand the power of what I was invited to. It's so beyond me. It's so beyond just Greg, ah, oh, flag this, I'm out of this, whatever, and vice versa for her too. Will she submit, surrender to a muppet that's growing, that's coming into more, that's not going to get it all right at times? Why? Because she understands what oneness is really about. She understands what it's really about. Not about getting lost people saved. That's beautiful. That's not what it's about as a first place priority. It's about her. It's about her. It always has been about her. It always will be about her. But we've been hoodwinked. We've been led astray from our minds. And the people of oneness, of oneness and spirit, of oneness and mind come into this reality. And they live in accordance to truth. So when I read this, I see people that were in a oneness of measure to the Christ and growing because their lives demonstrate it. And that's who I want to be. I want to be someone who lives it and who lays their life down to see it come into others' lives. Why? So God can be glorified on this earth. That's all I really care about is him being glorified. What my life is for, to see him glorified and to see the church become all she's called to be. And I invite you to the same thing. He's been inviting us for years. We just haven't known it. And he's starting to share his heart more with us through people, through me through Danny, through Mel, through Paul, through Vera, through Nick, through Joe, through Anne, through Chris, through the Van Bees the other week who spoke about serving one another, through Louis and Estelle. It's coming. It's coming. He's just saying, you've got ears to hear and a heart to receive. Have we got a heart that's going to accept what he's saying? Because I see a people that did, and they were living this, 
and we've been called for greatness. Amen. So I will end it there. And so, Father, I just I thank you that you call us to the highest order and you call us out of ourselves, out of our lives, and you set us apart for a higher, much higher calling than our own lives. You call us to be a family, your bride, your people, no longer Jew or Greek, a people of oneness, a people of the Spirit, a people that live in accordance to the Spirit by faith in Jesus Christ, who live with a conviction of the knowledge of truth and continue to, and who are able to see the unseen realm that exists, receive from that realm and draw down the currency of that realm and live differently than everyone else that is still not yet in the kingdom. Lord, help us today. Help us. Spirit of revelation, I pray you would just come and start to unlock our hearts and our minds. Renew our minds, Father. I pray we would eat what has been spoken today numerous times. I pray you would grab us and you would apprehend and arrest us to yourself. Help us in our apathy. Help us not be distracted. Help us to not be consumed by ourselves and our self-choices. Father, we love you. You've called and chosen us to be a people and a nation. And so, Father, we just surrender to you again. In Jesus' name, amen. The, um, the, the, the book I've written is called Bird's Eye View. And all it is, it's just my attempt to put down the last six years. Um, so it's, it's on the website. You can download it in iBooks, iTunes, or a PDF. Um, the physical book will be with us by about 22nd, no, 22nd of July. So we're just going to give it away. If you want one, you can have one. If you want copies, you can have them. Um, my whole motto in this is, Greg, freely you have been, uh, you know, freely you receive, freely you give. So it's all free, so you can just go online and, and download it and, um, and give me feedback. Love to hear what your thoughts. Um, I've wrote, written what I believe is him, um, but I'm open to correction. So this whole thing is about a journey of faith and going what the conviction you have. So um, it's called Bird's Eye View, and it's all about seeing from a divine perspective, seeing from a higher perspective. And I ask a lot of questions in it. So be prepared to have questions come at you. Um, and it's for leaders and it's for so people like in my position. We're all leaders, we're all followers. Um, I called Jay um, did the design uh, for it, did the cover. Um, so I just want to thank him because it was he captured the Holy Spirit, gave me the words and gave me the image and Jay designed it all. And uh, it's quite cool. It's just a black book and then that's what you see in the eye is the eagle sees from a higher vantage point um, and so um, yeah it's about 211 pages um, in book form um, and uh, it's just ask questions and challenge mindsets really um, but it's been say part of this journey and I'm off I'm now into book number two which is all about Paul so 
So cool. So a guy that only read two books before came to Christ, I've now written one <laughs> through the empowerment of Christ. That's his words on page. So 